me. So once more, welcome. And my warm welcome, particularly for those who are here for the first time. Uh, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit just touches you and helps you to see our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the captain of this church. We do everything according to his will. And uh, before I enter into my preaching, I would like to say thank you to all of you who have been praying for long, particularly for me on the matter of my marriage. There are some people who have been fully involved and supporting in diverse ways. And finally, on the 28th of December, I had to finalize my marriage in Congo, and therefore I'm no longer the single Joshua. I am a married man, and my beloved, she's just at the back day. Yeah, for those who do not know her, she's at the back day, Bijou. Uh, that is my wife. So we are so grateful to what the Lord has really done for us. The Lord is always faithful to his word. No matter how long it takes, now and then we do not comprehend all the mysteries surrounding us, but God knows it all. And every single answer has its own timing. All that we need to learn is trust our God in every single situation we go through. I'm very excited this morning to share this wonderful subject of prayer. As you know, it has been a couple of uh, months now since we've been diving into this series of the book of Colossians. And uh, every time I reflect upon this book, I weep. I've been serving the Lord for many, many years. I started my first preaching, as I've told you, I gave it at the age of 13. And since then, I've been fully sold out in the matter of Christianity. And the more I reflect upon the Word of God, I compare the life of many believers who claim to belong to Christ and who claim the Lord Jesus Christ to be their Lord and their Savior. The more I look into this society, now and then I ask myself if those who claim to be believers have really received the true revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Because I always say to myself, if all believers on earth have had the true revelation of Jesus Christ and have surrendered fully, to his lordship, the society in which we are living in could have been a different society. And the more you read the book of Colossians and try to understand how Paul unpacks um, this person of Jesus Christ, elevating him in almost every single aspect of our communion with God, and most importantly, even demonstrating how, in the, by virtue of what Christ has done, we are called to be conformed to his likeness. In the second part of the book of Colossians, Paul spends time just to exalt the person of Jesus Christ. To explain in every single facet, who is Jesus Christ that we are making a big deal with? Paul says it's not anyone that you can think of. This Jesus Christ is God the Creator. So when you mention the name of Jesus Christ, you have to be sure that you are dealing with the Creator of the universe. And the more you reflect upon the doctrine of creation, you can see how God was so wise in not allowing the man that he had to create to be in any sort of lacuna, God provided all that was needed for shalom, for good life, for wonderful life of men on earth. To such extent that God has to provide all that men needed before man was created and put in the garden of Eden. He provided food. 
He provided everything in nature concerning our physical physiology. Everything has been provided. There's nothing that is lacking in demonstrating the love that God has for us in order for us to represent Him on earth. The more you understand who this Jesus Christ is, because now and then when we say He's just a creator, it's like a storytelling. We don't seem to reflect deep and much in order to understand the implication of Jesus Christ being the creator of the universe. And if you come to a true understanding of that, I think your faith will be strengthened more and more as you get to understand who Jesus Christ is. And Paul magnified on this person of Jesus Christ. He said he's supreme to every single facet. And as you know, in the book of Colossians, Paul is refuting false teachers who were not content for believers to be in freedom and in communion with God by virtue of the work of Christ. And false teachers came trying to take this believer astray and to remove Christ from the centrality of their lives and their communion with God. And Paul says, no, no. Then he started to explain who Christ is. And Paul did not only stop in expounding on the person and the attribute of who this, this, this Jesus Christ is. Paul went on to explain how are we supposed to live on earth having Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Then he started speaking on the matter of holiness. At the first part of the book of Colossians 1 and 2, just expound on the doctrine. And the second part is the practicality of how these people who have received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior ought to live according to the knowledge that they have received of Christ. And Paul called us to be holy. He emphasized the aspect of loving nature of believers and not out of law, not out of something that we create out of ourselves, but through the power that God has exerted, that has resurrected Jesus Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, as we come to Christ, God himself, through the work of the Holy Spirit, starts to do the heavenly surgery in removing the old man so that we can live in the nature of new men in the likeness of Jesus Christ. And this is not the work of men. All that is required of us is to be mindful of what God has done and surrender fully to Him and allow the Spirit of God to work in us as we proceed living with God daily on earth. But somehow for most of us who have been born again for long, the Bible becomes like an old story that whenever it's told, it's spoken about over and over, we are not mindful and we do not open our heart, we do not embrace it in a meditational way in order for the Word of God to transform us. There's a power of transformation in the Word of God. There's nothing powerful on earth than the Word of God. The same word that has created everything out of nothing is the same word that has brought us to new regeneration. I mean to the new life. It's the same word that starts to build stuff that were rotten, stuff that were broken, stuff that were destroyed. But the sin of our first ancestor Adam and Eve, through Christ, as we embrace him fully, God starts to generate a new life in us that is a life of pleasing our God. But there's an element that God expects us to be mindful of that. We have to give ourselves to that. We have to surrender to Him daily. To allow the Spirit of God to exalt Christ in every single aspect until we are fully formed to the image and to the likeness of Jesus Christ. And my prayer daily is like the prayer of Paul. Father, help them understand who Jesus Christ is. Help them understand what Jesus Christ has. The more we possess what Christ has, we will be a complete transformed society that's going to be the light and the salt in society. But somehow, we don't seem to surrender fully to our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm saying. The more you reflect upon this book, is as if God is giving us the answer to transform this society. 
No politician will be ever capable to change the society. Because the transformation of society is a transformation of heart. No other study will be able to transform men's heart. The only power that can transform many hearts is the power of the gospel. And the gospel is Jesus Christ who has been given to us by the Father as a gift for salvation of this world. And the more we embrace him, we make him at the center of our life, we will be amazed how our life will be fully transformed. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is all that we need. We need nothing outside of Christ. In Him, we have all the spiritual blessings that you can imagine. And some of you have many blessings, many gifts from the Lord, but we have never known, we have never been able to put it into action because we are sleepy, because we are dying, we do not understand how to connect with this God daily so that all that God has put in us can start to manifest and express itself. I pray that this year, can be a year that the Holy Spirit will come and shake our heart, shake our head, shake our life, and make us understand who is this Jesus Christ that we are being proud of. This Jesus that we are coming Sunday after Sunday in order to worship. We are not in a religion that are doing things religiously. We are not doing things ritualistically. And if you are doing and praying, really, that you can ask God to open your eyes to see more and deeper the person of Jesus Christ that we are serving and that we are worshiping. The section that I'm dealing with, after Paul exalting Jesus Christ in terms of the doctrine, Paul says that even your holiness will never take place outside of the work that Jesus Christ has done. And Paul is going to go as on to explain, even regarding our relationship with our own families. And the more you reflect, you realize how far the sin has separated us from God, not only from God, how far the sin has robbed us from the identity that God has given us as He created us. It's only when we come to Christ we start to realize who really we are. To know ourselves, we have to know Christ. If you don't know Christ, you'll never be able to understand who man is. And this is what Paul is explaining here. He said, all the power is in, you, is in you. All that you have, you have to redisposition yourself in light of what Christ has done. And if you are not born again, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, for you to be able to experience the power of the gospel, you have to make a decision yourself by the conviction of the Holy Spirit in order to make Jesus Christ to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. The section that I'm dealing with is the section of prayer, and I love this section. Because as I'm studying the life of Jesus Christ and studying the life of Paul, I don't see Jesus Christ emphasizing, for instance, to his disciples, how to preach. He doesn't speak much about those kind of things. Yes, preaching is so important. But what I see Jesus Christ emphasizing more and more is how to commune with God. Is how to come closer to God. How to make God the centrality of everything we do. And the only way we can do that is by virtue of prayer. Prayer is the only means by which we can converse and dialogue with our Creator. It's the only means. Yes, when we are reading the Word of God, we are being taught by God. It's like we are submitting ourselves to the teaching of God Himself. But only when we make that Word of God become interactive in our inner man, we can speak of prayer. And there's no other way by which men can engage with God outside the means of prayer. Even in your vision, when you are having dreams... When you are transported in ecstasy, you're going to realize that there's interaction with the Creator. There's no relationship. There's no fellowship if there's no communication between the people within that fellowship. And prayer becomes the only thing that connects us profoundly with God. Therefore, let's read the Bible in the section of Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 to 4. And hear what Paul says. Uh, if you have your Bible, I'm in ESV. 
Let's see what the Bible says. Verse 2 says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Why will Paul urge, encourage, make this command to Colossians? Why will Paul take such a moment to reflect on this subject of prayer? If really prayer was not so important. And the more you read the word that is used here, is an imperative, is a command that Paul is giving to Colossians and to Colossians to all believers. It says we have to continue in steadfastly we have to continue steadfastly in prayer. Meaning, we have to be fully devoted in prayer. We have to be consistently in prayer. We have to persist in prayer. We have to be ready to pray. Now and then, I check how people are bold to express their faith to the Lord, and I've done it twice in the congregation, just are calling people randomly to come and pray. And sometimes I'm always shocked to see how many people are still fearful, if not intimidated by the mass, and not willing to step, step forward and raise their voice to speak to the king that is above all kings. And I understand why we are not so bold. It's because we have never made prayer to be at the center of our life. I see the life of Jesus Christ being predominated by prayer. If Jesus Christ was God, without the aspect of Him being men, there was no need for Jesus Christ to pray even once. Because God does not need to pray. There's no one who understands the nature of this world, how broken this world is, or the challenges that humanity is facing on earth than Jesus Christ himself. Knowing that in nature... Of men, Jesus made prayer to be at the center of his life to the point where it says every single morning Jesus Christ will go to a remote place in order to engage with his father. He came from heaven. He knows the will of the father. He spent the eternity A with the father before time disrupts the eternity by creating the world. And yet, every single morning, Jesus Christ will spend time in prayer. And the more you reflect the fruit of Jesus' prayer, the fact that he spent much time with the Father, he didn't have to spend much time with people in resolving the issues that he was facing daily with them. I always consider prayer as a telephone that is plugged on the electricity when the battery is low. And the more you keep your telephone up to the liveness of the battery, you'll be continuously in communication without disruption. And we see many times people bring children... Or bring people who are sick to the disciples, and the disciples now and then, they could not perform anything. And Jesus will send them back to the same principle. 
In one incident, he says, this type of evil spirit can only come out by prayer and by fasting. And we do read all this story quickly and passing by without stopping and analyzing the value of this wonderful statement in the Word. Prayer is the only means to engage and to communicate with God. Prayer is the only thing that demonstrates in the life of a believer that you really depend and trust God. A believer who do not pray is a clear-cut indication that he does not trust God. He's still at the center of his own life. Jesus Christ is not the king in his life. Suddenly, suddenly what I've seen, particularly in opulent society, people have trivialized the power of prayer. The only time people come closer to God, especially those who are settled in society, is only when their sense of security is threatened. When someone's about to lose their job, When someone, his beloved child, is taken into drugs and all kinds of issues in society, vice in society, then you'll see some people start considering God. It's as if prayer can only take place when there's a crisis. In that sense, I always say that many believers have reduced Jesus Christ only to the Saviorhood and not to the Lordship. While prayer is a communication between the subject and his king. It's a daily engagement. And when we speak of prayer, you are not always at the center. There are many things as we're going to see that we can keep praying for day in, day out. As Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. It's not always about an allocation of place where we can meet for two hours and after that we say, I have come from prayer. No. Prayer must be your heartbeat. It must be the language that you have with God every time. When you are bathing your body, you have to thank you, Father, for this wonderful body you have given me. I pray that you protect it. And there are many symbols that we do externally that has to remind us of who God is and what God has done for us. Why do you take so care of your body, washing yourself daily, without knowing that your soul and your spirit now and then need the presence of God? You'll see a lady after bath spending about 30 minutes and some of them will go up to 45 minutes before the mirror just beautifying the external person. How many times do you take to bring your inner man before the Lord? Say, Lord, here I am. Make me be like you. Transform me from all my weakness. Supply to all my needs, Father. I want to look like you. But we don't. We are not the type of people who consider prayer to be above everything. Not to speak of Jesus Christ, perhaps you can say Jesus was God. That was started by saying God has no need to pray. But in his humanity, Jesus started praying even on the day of his baptism. The Bible says, as he was praying, then the heaven opened up. And the Spirit of God came upon him. You go to the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts 2, uh, 1, 2. You see, they were dedicated to prayer as they were praying, fellowshipping with one another. The Spirit of God came upon them. And throughout the story of revival, the anointing of God does not always fall easily. Sometimes God will provide it out of, of His grace. But if we want God to use us powerfully on earth, we have to be consistently on our knees before God. And I believe only prayer has allowed Paul to be what Paul became 
after the heavenly vision that Paul received on the way to Damascus. Because you're going to realize when Paul was struck down by the light, he went to a place that is called uh, uh, straight, the, the, the street that is called straight in the house of a certain Judas. When Paul is speaking to Ananias to go meet Paul, and God will make a statement to Ananias saying that the Paul that you are going to see is busy praying. And throughout the epistles of Paul, Paul was like someone who was crazy. He was praying in time and out of time. In every single situation, Paul was a man of prayer. Without prayer, I don't think we could have been celebrating all the blessings that Paul has left behind. I don't know how is your life of prayer. In almost every single book, Paul pray for people. When Paul is in trouble, remember when he had that stone in his back, he said for three times. Three times, it just means he continuously pray for God to remove the thorn out of his body until the time where God told him, my grace is sufficient. Persistent prayer. Prayer allows us to align our inner man with God. Prayer allows us to draw the power of God in order to stand before adversity and overcome the challenges of life. And now and then we can win those challenges of now of life. And now and then the power of God can sustain us so that we don't feel broken by the challenges that we are facing. We keep on going in perseverance because the grace of God is so sufficient to sustain us when things are difficult. Prayer help us to change our brokenness. I'm a trophy of God's transformation in prayer, knowing my nature. As I came to the ministry, my pastor told me, he said, son, you are young. There's a lot of things God would like to do with you, but there are many brokenness in your side. You have to seek God. I'm not going to pray for you. I'll never lay end on, on your head. Now and then, this was the instruction of my pastor. I'm not saying for you to apply it. Each one has a particular way to engage with God. He said, every time, even in the night, when you go to the loo, when you come back, sit on your bed and say, Father, transform me by the power of your Holy Spirit. And I can assure you, in a space of time, I've seen the power of God in prayer transforming my life. I've seen many people who are possessed, many people who are under serious depression. We have prayed over and over without a son, but we kept on trusting the Lord. By this concept of persistency, keep on praying, dedicating ourselves until such a time I've seen the power of God manifest itself and set people free. Persistent prayer. If we are a church that we want the Spirit of God to move powerfully among us, we have to learn to pray without ceasing. If you want to see change and transformation in your life, yes, you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Yes, you love Him, but there are things that are not going well in your marriage. Keep praying for your wife, for your husband, for your children. I assure you, God's willing, at the proper time, you will see the answer manifesting in your life. Nothing is impossible to God. That's what I'm telling you, if you analyze the book of Colossians, you see the way God, I mean Paul, exalts Christ. If he was capable to create the universe as big as it is, how much more God will be willing to answer in the issue that you are facing in your life? Jesus Christ gave us two wonderful, beautiful, and greatest illustrations concerning prayer in the gospel. The first one is about the judge. The unrighteous judge with the widow. Who kept on persisting, asking this widow to make justice on his case. And in that context, again, Jesus speaks of persistence of prayer. Persistence of prayer is not something that you do once and we give up. It's something that we do continuously. The second illustration, Jesus speaks of the friend who received his friend in the night. And he wants something to eat. And therefore he has to go to his neighbor in order for the neighbor to provide the food for his friend. And as he keeps on knocking, the friend says, go away. I'm already asleep. Don't disturb me. But the friend kept on knocking, knocking. 
knocking until such a point his friend woke up and said, Do you know what? Get what you want. Go away from me. As in the gospel, the, the, the lady with the child who was sick, coming to Jesus Christ, begging, the apostle chasing him away. He kept on begging, please, the son of David, have mercy on me. The son of God, have mercy on me. And at a certain point, Jesus Christ looked at her and said, you know what? I do not give the food of the children uh, to the dogs. And said, please, Lord, even the smaller dogs need those food. Persistent prayer can teach you how to humble yourself and rely fully on God. We are a society in which we do not rely and mourn God. We do not trust God at all. We do it on our own. And this I'm speaking just in terms of you vis-a-vis of the issue and the struggle that you are having daily in your life. We are serving a power of God. We are serving a miraculous God. We are serving a healing God. We are serving a providing God. And if we can open the testimony of people, I think each one of us, out of divine grace, can show you how God, at a certain point of his life, in the crisis that he was in, God came and manifested himself. And I'm going to tell you, every time God reveals himself in your life, he's leading you to repent. He's leading you to attach yourself fully to him. He's leading you to understand that my God's more than capable. And that's why you'll see even in the Old Testament, whenever God starts to urge the heart of the Jew Israelites, he will say, remember what I've done for you. Remember how you have crossed the Red Sea. Remember what I've provided for you. I'm the creator. I'm the one who fought for you. Why are you forsaken me? God has revealed to us his power so that by virtue of that revelation, we we can remain dependent on Him because there's no one who's powerful like our God in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's omnipotent. There's nothing that I doubt. My faith is so strong. I always say, even if everyone can surround me, uh, abandon me, if somehow everyone can chase me away, I will never be dismayed. I will never be anxious because I know the one who has called me, my Creator is more than capable. He'll always sustain me. It's just made of time. If you understand who God is, you'll walk on earth like a prince, no matter the issues that are surrounding you. Because I believe that my God is faithful. It's just made of time. Paul says, pray continuously. Make prayer to be the heartbeat of your life. At work, pray. At home, pray. You don't need just a time to isolate yourself. Although it's important to have those kind of moments. But what Paul is saying, even while engaging with people, intercede. I've seen it over and over. I'm doing a counseling with someone. I don't understand anything the person is saying. I just keep on interceding while listening. I'm interceding, Father, open my eyes. Give me the discernment. Lord, I'm clueless on this issue. The Holy Spirit knows the heart of this person. The Holy Spirit speaks to me. And before the counseling finishes, I'll start saying issues. And the person says, how do you know? I said, I'm not a prophet. I trust God. And my God knows everything that is going in your life. Only when we pray consistently, we allow the Spirit of God to start leading us. And even in terms of our church, we have to change our mindset because we are not the type of people who are going to remain in rigidity of doing things. Now and then, God can come. God can shake us. God can incite us. God can stay our heart to do something that was not expected. We have to understand that our God is a moving God. And we have to be allowed God to move us. When he wants to move us. Pray without ceasing. And then Paul will continue in saying, at the same time, uh, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Be watchful. Don't sleep. Don't let it pass by. Don't say you are tired. Don't give a time of distraction. We grew up with people who knew to trust God. If it was a time to enumerate the miracles that I've seen my spiritual leader perform and manifest by their trusting of God and how they've embarked us to this journey of trusting God, what we have seen with God, now and then I sit at home, I cry. We think like God is not active. I'm telling you God is imminent. God is active. God wants to speak to us every single moment and every single time. The only thing we are distracted 
We haven't developed that deep communion with God in our interaction with Him in prayer. We do not understand the language of God. Even when God speaks to us, now and then we are distracted. We let it pass by because we are busy sleeping. We have to cultivate, we have to develop this uh, uh, virtue of communing with God and be alerted to the sensitivity, to the move of the Spirit of God. When the Spirit of God speaks to us, we have to be able to hear that the Spirit is speaking to us now. But we have lost that in the church. It's not like the power is not provided. The power is in our midst. But we are sleepy. And we do not allow the Spirit of God to lead us. Paul says, as you pray, watch in it with thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving for me is one of the key words. You cannot be thanksgiving to someone who has never done something. This thanksgiving always reminds us of what God has done for us. All the blessings that God has given us. Or the power that God has demonstrated to us. You can see the way the psalmist David was praying. You'll see David before he starts asking God anything. He'll start by praising him for what God has done. David will exalt the name of God. He will give him name. He will, he will admire nature. He will worship him by virtue of what God has created. Then David will start to bring his heart before the Lord. And say the Lord, please. You are the Lord of mercy. Show me your mercy. Show me your power. Thanksgiving keeps us in touch of the greatness, the power, and the provision that God has already revealed in our life. And therefore, we are reminded consistently that we are not dealing with the weak God. It's not a sleeping God. It's a God that is awake and has done a lot that we need to be continuously thankful of it. The first point, devotional prayer. And I'm not here trying to explain to you all aspects of prayer. I'm just trying to awake your consciousness to provoke you a little bit that there are many things that we are missing from God in terms of the blessings provided in Christ because we are not connected with God. And what shocks me, I've realized that churches or the member in the churches have developed a particular attitude to think like if you are an elder or if you are the pastor, you are the one to demonstrate the power of God, which is a total lie. The Bible says when the Spirit of God comes, He gives, He divides, I mean, He provides His gift to different people in the congregation. We must be expectant, all of us. We must seek God day and night. We must be available for God to use us. And whenever there's an opportunity for God to use you, since you are connected with Him, God will deposit His Word in your heart. God will give you the boldness. God will give you the Word to address the situation that you are facing. And you'll be amazed how powerful us believers are. But we are always ignorant of the power that we have. We are the sons and the daughters of the living God. I've seen it all. Now and then I laugh. But now and then I cry. I say, God, revive my spirit. I've lost that diligence of seeking you. As Hebrew says, he rewards those who diligently seek him. Seek him. We have to seek our God. He has already found us. He's available. It's not like we are seeking him in order to be saved. We are already saved. Jesus Christ is in us. We just need to look to seek for him so that we can serve him according to his will. According to his pattern. According to his purpose. We cannot run ahead of him, allow God to be in us. And we must change that mentality of thinking that if we come to the church, only the elders have the anointing to pray for the sick. Only the elders have the anointing to, to, to chase out demons. No, God gives His gift to His congregation. That mindset has to cease. And that mindset has made the church to become lazy. We are not communing with God consistently. We are not seeking the presence of God. We are not expectant of Him. And we have substituted pastors to become our gods, to become our mediators. We are not our mediators. 
We are here just to show you how you can become a true disciple of Jesus Christ. How you can grow in your gifting. How you can become a true servant of God. That's why we are here for to guide you, to lead you, to connect fully with Jesus Christ and Him alone, who is our Lord and our Savior. Finally, Paul goes on. And he says in these two, uh, uh, three verses that we are reading, after saying, be watchful, even this word can remind you, you know when Jesus was about to be arrested, he saw already what was coming. Oh, I love Jesus. He saw what was coming and he knew that the time was evil. And he said to his disciples, the, the pillar of the church, Peter, John, and James, and said, let's go, let's go and pray. Let's go to get a man and pray. And Jesus kept on praying, kept on praying. The Bible says he prayed all night, crying to the Father in order for the Father to redeem him, I mean to rescue him, to save him, to deliver him. He kept on praying. And when he came to look at the disciples, they were sleeping. Jesus said, wake up and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Do you understand how many temptations are we facing daily on earth? And yet the Bible says the only way we can overcome temptation is when we are consistently in the presence of God. Because when we are in the presence of God before the temptation, the Spirit of God will use the Word of God to quicken us in order to resist any temptation that comes before us. In order not to allow us to succumb into temptation. But you know what? Peter could not watch and pray. And the following day, Peter denied Jesus Christ. And I believe if Peter stood in prayer of Jesus Christ the following day, he could have been bold enough and said, I belong to this man. He could have never denied him. Pray. Watch in it with thanksgiving. And finally Paul says, pray for me. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. On account of which I am a prisoner. What a wonderful prayer. Do you understand that God has called us in order to co-work with him on the matter of his kingdom? Do you know that? We are the servant of God. God has put a calling on us so that we can be the agent of his gospel through us. The world. Some people do it in a diverse way, but in this context, Paul is speaking of the concept of prayer. Paul was a wonderful, amazing man of prayer. He was a powerful man. He, he mastered the mystery of divinity. He mastered the mystery of Christianity. He understood it fully. He was a zealous man, a passionate man. But you'll find out over and over again, Paul requesting other believers to pray for him so that the doors can be opened. Remember what Jesus Christ says in the book of Revelation? I have the keys. When I open, no one can close. And when I close, no one can open. No one uh, can open. As a brother and sister, we are in companionship fighting to see the name of Jesus Christ be exalted throughout the world. We have to pray consistently for God to open doors. And those doors might be the heart of people, might be the country. In the context of Paul, there was a lot of opposition with Roman leaders not allowing the gospel to be propagated the way it was. Therefore, Paul was consistently in need of support of prayer because he knew when believers stand together praying for one another, God is more than capable to open doors and remove all the obstacles that is standing forward. I don't know how much do you pray for the word of God to go throughout the world. Or even how much do you pray as a church and say, God, make us ready. There are many people in Rastanbeg who are not born again. Father, there are many drug dealers in this country. There are many issues that are wrong, Father. Make us ready. Raise up people. Father, open the doors in those people's hearts so that they can get to know you. We don't. And you'll see people sometimes in a life group, we are going one after another. They say, brother, is something we can pray? No, nothing. I just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Stop. And now and then I ask myself, do we really understand 
that the dark world that surrounds us, we have a huge responsibility to pray for the word of God to break into people's hearts. There are many stumbling blocks. There are the veil of blindness that the devil has put in many people so that they cannot see the glorious face of our Lord Jesus Christ. But God has given us the power in the name of Jesus Christ. Whenever we stand in the name of Christ, we proclaim, we declare consistently all the veil of darkness in the city started breaking, tearing down because we are on the gap praying for the kingdom of God, for the revival to break through the city. And we are not going to expect Americans to do it. We are very good to speak about revival in other churches. We are very good to speak about what other churches are doing. But we do not understand that in those churches, I grew up in a church where we were intercessors. I was at university. Every single night, we were sleeping together in prayer. Every single Saturday, I'm not saying for you to do, I'm just giving you an example. Every single Saturday, we were fasting, waiting on God. When I'm walking like this, it's like God's going to open the entire field. I'm seeing people in the diversity of issues. I've seen people being able to give a prophetic word to a baby crying. The baby's crying. I say, what's wrong with you? He said, no. The baby's saying, please, please help my mom. Help my mom. My mom, my father's taken captive. And I asked the lady with much doubt and hesitancy. And the lady confirmed the prophetic word. That was received through the crying of a baby. And all of this was a result of people who were consistently in the presence of God. The people have changed this world. The great proclaimer of the gospel. They were consistently on their knees. And that is our cry in this season. That this church can be the church that knows to seek their Lord. The church that is expectant for the power of God to break through. The church that is expectant to see Rastenberg be transformed by the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm crying for that. Now and then I come to prayer meeting. I say, God, until when? Until when are you going to pour out your spirit in this church as when we stand to pray? I can see people passionate, praying, seeking God, waiting on God. There are some people even in our prayer in the morning, they don't even see the boldness, the value of coming to it. You see people coming, their eyes is open. They are in fact thinking, please, Sean, finish it quickly. I just want to go and greet my, my friend. You see, Sean will give a request, let's pray. Some people are not even into it. They don't even know what to pray. It's as if we have been in the Lord for long, but yet we do not know how to commune with Him. If we want to see change in Vantage Point Church, we have to change our way of communing with God. If we want to see Vantage Point planting many more churches, there are many ministers of God here. That God is just waiting for that moment. It's going to start with your prayer. For God to open doors. For God to bless this church. For God to raise up ministers. For God to make the way of the gospel. All the greatest evangelists I know, Rena Bonke, for those who know him, Billy Graham, Osborne, and many others who have held huge crusades. They could have never gone to any country without spending hours and hours in prayer and sometimes sending people in advance in those countries. Keep on praying day and night for God to open the door in the heart of people. And whenever they come, they proclaim the gospel. It's like God has smashed all the rocks. God has smashed all the strongholds that was keeping people forward, um, keeping people away. As this minister will come and proclaim Jesus Christ, you will see the crowd of people rising and accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Can we, by the power of the Spirit, take this issue of prayer seriously? I come here on Tuesday and on Thursday where Antikiti and Beulah, they pray. And now and then say, God, and I've spoken to them many times. Why people do not understand? We have a wealth here. We have a treasure of ladies who have worked with God. With ladies who knows how to intercede. With ladies who knows how to enter the presence of God. And you can see in the congregation, they are among the people who consistently come forward. The Lord has spoken. Because every single Thursday and Tuesday, they are in prayer. What I'm asking is not to allocate only those times, but to make a prayer the language of our heart every single 
day, at work, you are dealing with difficult people. Don't just fire them. This is not what God has called us to do. God has called us to be gentle. God has called us to know how to bring light where there's darkness. Take your time as a boss to your company. Keep on praying for your servant. Keep on praying for them. Ask God to meet them. We're going to see how God will change and revolutionize our society. But as a believer, we don't know the power that we have. In many decisions we take all over, we don't involve God. We don't include Him because we do not trust God. Let be that church that trusts a lot. Can we close our eyes and pray? Father, I exalt Your name this morning. I thank You for being a wonderful God. The Lord who has created everything we see. The Lord who has done miracles. I've seen prostitutes being transformed by the power of the gospel, by the power of Jesus Christ. I've seen Robara, people were completely sold out, being prayed for in the name of Jesus Christ and see them delivered. Father, your word is so powerful whenever we apply it, whenever we declare it in a prayerful manner, we see your glorious presence manifest itself. Father, I pray that this revelation can just sink in our heart. The same way that revelation, the heavenly revelation has put Paul to his need. And the rest of his life, Paul became a man of prayer. The aspect that we do not explore much. Father, I pray that you give us that revelation to understand that there is no situation. There is no issue. There is no problem on earth that is outside of your control. You are the king over the universe. You know everything. And you call us, come to me. Come to me. Father, bring us that revelation that we are longing. You are waiting for us to come to you. You are waiting for us to come and wait on you. No matter how long it's going to take for us to be at peace, knowing that is, we are in control because the Father has taken it in control. Us being in Christ, nothing can surpass us. There's no place for anxiety. There's no place for fear. There's no place for doubt because we know our King will intervene at the appropriate time. Give us that revelation, Father. Help this church grow. In the area of prayer. This year, Lord, we want to see your glory. We want to see your presence, Father. And I pray that you start with each one of us. That you cleanse our heart, you cleanse our mind, you prepare our heart, you stir us up with your spirit in order for us to respond powerfully and see your glory manifested. We love you, Jesus Christ. We love you, Father. I adore you. You are wonderful. No one is like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week. And we'll see each other.